everybody we are uh we're going solo this week um not because we couldn't schedule a time but because i asked to go solo this week i uh i figured it's about time i get to talking about barbenheimer because i i've i mentioned it multiple times in multiple episodes that i was going to do an episode talking about barbie and oppenheimer and i have yet to do that so the longer I, I wait, the less and less likely that becomes. So we're here. We're doing it now. Only, what, two, three, three months later? It's fine. We're, we're good. Um, nice thing is if, if someone's listening to this you know, five years from now, it doesn't even matter that I was three months late because they're just binging through all the episodes. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I'm talking about – I'm going to be talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer. I – Saw both those films back to back. It was it was a dual feature. I, I saw Oppenheimer in the morning. I went I went to go see it in IMAX. I saw it at I believe it was ten AM. And then I saw Barbie. Well I, I I finished Oppenheimer. I went to go get some food. I think I got I went and got ramen. I got like some uh, some duck some duck ramen. It was I mean it was incredible. And then I went back and saw Barbie. I didn't see Barbie in IMAX because the IMAX screens were all being used for Oppenheimer. But I saw it in Dolby Atmos plus viewing, whatever. A very, very good theater screen. So I'm first, firstly, I'm going to give, I'm just straight off the bat, I'm going to give my, my rating out of 10 for both of these films. And then we'll get into my explanation behind the films. So for Oppenheimer, I'll do Oppenheimer first since I saw it first. I'm gonna I would I would rank the film out of ten. I'd probably give it an eight point eight out of ten. I, I I thought the film was very good. So eight point eight, I feel pretty comfortable with that. Now Barbie, I'm probably gonna give I'm going to give Barbie a 7.1, I think, 7.1. Um, Barbie, I. It, what's interesting is I enjoyed both the films, but there were more reasons for me to enjoy Barbie less than I did Oppenheimer. I guess there were more things that I picked out of the film that... And, and what's really funny is there are moments in the Barbie film where I thought either it could be it could have been cut down or cut out completely, making the shore the film even shorter. Uh, it's it's probably just a two hour film. I can a, a quick Google search will be able to give me that answer. It was an hour and fifty four minutes. I that movie could have easily been an hour and forty minutes. They could have cut fifteen minutes out of that film, no problem. Um, Whereas with Oppenheimer, just over three hours, I, I thought I had no issues with the runtime. Every scene felt like it had importance to it. But yeah, seven point one for Barbie, eight point eight for Oppenheimer. Those those are my official rate ratings out of ten for each of those films. And now I'm going to get into talking talking about. It. I'm going to talk about Barbie first because it is. I, I want to talk about the one 
that I rated lower first, and then we'll talk about Oppenheimer. Because Oppenheimer, I'm primarily just going to be praising. Uh, it was a very good film where Barbie, I do have some critiques, so I'll, I'll just get into all that that fun stuff now. Um, so my, if I was going to describe Barbie with, with an adjective, I would call it a fun movie. I, that, that's that's what I would call it. I, I remember I was seeing another movie with, with my sister. Uh, this this would have been probably a month after the Barbie had been out. We went to go see probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. And we left the theater and we were going uh, to the restrooms. And as I was waiting for my sister to finish up, a couple old ladies, you know, gra grandmas, they uh, came up to me. It was three of them. And they, they asked, oh, did you just see that movie too? And I go, oh, but which one? Which one? And they said, oh, the Barbie movie. I'm like, and I was like, no, no, I just saw, I just saw this other movie. But I, I had seen the Barbie movie. And I asked them what they thought about it. They're like, oh, yeah, it was, it was a fun movie. I'm like, yeah, it is a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I, I, I think that it's it's a goofy movie that that I I I, I, I call this movie, and, and there's a couple of movies that I think can easily fall into this category. And, and it's a weird category to have because not a lot of people have cable anymore. But if I were scrolling through cable channels and I got to a channel and the Barbie movie was playing, I would just I would leave the movie on. It's one of those movies where I enjoyed it enough to where I would watch it again. However, it's not a movie I plan on buying on Blu-ray or 4K. That kind of that uh, that that kind of tag there. If I buy it on 4K, because I try to get all my movies in 4K now, that qual uh, kind of determines how good of a movie I thought it was. So, for example, this year, the the good old year of 2023, the movies that I've bought on Blu-ray or 4K have been The Whale, although I think The Whale was last year, but I'm starting with The Whale. Uh, the Whale, I got John with Chapter 4, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and I plan to get the new Mission Impossible. I plan to get Oppenheimer, and I think that's it. And out of all the other movies I've seen, I've seen Ant-Man, Cocaine Bear, Shazam, Champions, Scream, Super Mario Brothers, Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & Dragons I'm kind of on the line on because I did enjoy the movie, and I think it would be a fun one to have on Blu-ray, but I'm not too sure. Oh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse I did get in 4K. That that film was incredible. Um, Transformers, The Flash, Indiana Jones, Haunted Mansion, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, The Blind Creator. I also might get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I enjoyed that film as well. But but out of the out of all the films I have seen, only a select few uh, kind of fall into the category where I'm willing to buy them on Blu-ray or 4K. And Barbie, I don't think is one of those movies. I don't think that's a movie I need to own. It's it's one of those movies. After I've seen it, I don't really need to see it again. Um, now that's not saying I don't think it's not rewatchable. I think it is rewatchable just not for me and and obviously i also want to point out i i guess i i think the name of this podcast can't be any more evident today where you know opinion central this is my opinion and i 100 percent know that this barbie film was not i'm not the target audience for barbie i when, when i went to go see it open in a night the amount of i don't know 16 14 to 26 females dressed in all pink it, it was a it was an event 
and I, I the, the marketing for the Barbie movie was incredible. Also, uh, just an, an add-on, the soundtrack for the Barbie movie, also incredible. I actually bought the Barbie movie soundtrack on vinyl. I, I mean, they had... They had a crazy roster. Dominic Fike, Tame Impala, Dua Lipa, uh, Nicki Minaj. It, it, it was the, the, the soundtrack's awesome. Um, but anyway, it, I, I understand that this movie wasn't necessarily targeted at me. Um, but I was still able to enjoy it. Uh, anyway, anyway, back, back on to why I'm not going to get it on Blu-ray and why I'm giving it a 7.1. First off, um, I do generally think the film... Overall, enjoyable. It's fun. The cast the cast is incredible. Gosh, the cast is incredible. Ryan Gosling, I think he's the standout. Ryan Gosling, as Ken, was just incredible. And and Margot Robbie isn't bad as Barbie either. I, they If there was someone you were to cast as Barbie, it would have been Margot Robbie. They did, the, the casting for that film was incredible. Um, Michael Sarah as Ellen, I'm just a big Michael Sarah fan already, so his role in the film I really loved. Um, but I, I, I do, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to start critiquing. I'm going to start saying what I didn't like. Cause, cause I, I, I might as well. Um, first thing first, the Will Ferrell, uh, the, the journey to the real world. A lot of it was unnecessary. The, the bit where they go to the real world is fine. They, they run into the CEO of Mattel, the maker of Barbie, Will Ferrell's the CEO. It's a group of. 20 guys who are all, you know, part of the corporation because of the, the male hierarchy, whatever. And they hang out there and then they leave. They go back to Barbie land. And I was like, okay, cool. They had the little, like, in the real world experience, they interact with what was going on. That's fine. However, the fact that Will Ferrell and his CEO goons all follow barbie and the gang back to barbie lamb i thought that entire side plot line was useless and boring and unnecessary it was probably that was about seven minutes of of the film time i said you could cut just will ferrell and his guys making it over to barbie land they get to barbie land they don't really do anything of importance it just it, it either felt like it was either them trying to use will ferrell as much as they could or them trying to, I, I don't actually know. I, I, I just thought after they left the real world, I didn't need to see any more of Ma the Mattel CEO businessmen. I, I really didn't. I, I don't think they played any importance to the plot, to the message, the story, any of that. Um, <clears throat> my next critique uh, surrounds the message, the, the theme of the film, um, and the way they presented it. So... This isn't me saying I don't like the message of the Barbie film, you, you know, empowering women. I think that's awesome. I think it's great to see a movie that got so big to have such a cool message. It's more so the way that they plastered it face, like, in front of everything else going on in the film. Um, I mean, there was a moment, I, I, there was probably an eight- eight, nine-minute monologue. I, I was actually checking my watch because it was going on for, for quite a long time of uh, of the, the mother character talking about all the hardships. And it gets just to a point where it is just dragging along. And again, I don't have a problem 
with pushing that kind of message out. It's just whenever any film, and this isn't the Barbie film, just the Barbie film, there's there's plenty of films that try to tackle certain agendas, certain political uh, kind of alignments, and they do it to a point where it's oversaturating. And that takes me out of the movie. I go to a movie to escape the real world. Now, I do think, obviously, films, music, they're all a great art form to, to sneak in those kind of meanings. And there are plenty of films that are able to do that. I just think the Barbie film did it a little too heavily. I think they could have done it a little more tastefully, done it in a way that you still think about those things, but it doesn't feel forced upon you. It, it did in moments. It was just them talking about things. I'm like, okay. I mean, I know. Like, I already, I knew going into the movie, these were messages. You don't need to really, really point it out to me. I, I, I am smart enough to follow. Um, because the the thing is, there are movies, and I mean, across the Spider Verse. I'm just going to refer to it because it's one of those films where they're able to integrate just these little these little things into their story that i mean i i remember they there was a flag um an lgbtq flag in gwen stacy's room and and her her world i, I don't her spider-verse world and it was the the smallest little thing and that blew up over the internet i think there were a couple countries over in asia that banned the film because of it and it it had a I it appeared to have had a bigger impact because of how small it was, um, but there are plenty of films. Uh, I, I mean, an another one. I, I, I mean, I'm I'm working on both ends of the the spectrum here between uh, conservative and and liberal. I, I mean, you take Lord of the Rings, that was written by a Christian author. You take Narnia, you know, C.S. Lewis, another Christian author, and they integrate these religious stories and symbols and kind of the parables that they they sprinkle in through their characters and world world building and you you watch lord of the rings and you go oh cool big epic fantasy film you watch narnia and you go oh i, I love i love the lion the lion's cool but, but but there's that hidden meaning there's that extra meaning that they're trying to push across and they do it in a way that doesn't slap you in the face but you're still able to you're still still able to get it. You're still able to understand what they're doing, and you appreciate it more that way. So that was that was one of my issues with the Barbie film. I thought they really really tried to make those kind of the, the you know the those those messages. They they really really blew them up, and I think they could have better integrated it through the story not making it so much a part of like it, it felt like that was the plot or, or one of the story points and it didn't need to be it could have been one of those underlying things that that just was a message throughout the film um so that was that was another one of the issues and that was kind of part of the reason why i don't think i would want to buy the film just because of those certain scenes that just feel like they're dragging on. And, and you don't want to buy a movie that has scenes that drag on. It's just, I, I want to be able to sit down and watch a film and get lost in time, right? You, you, you go to the, that movie. And, and one of the favorite things, 
one of the most favorite things I have about a film is going in at, I don't know, 3 p.m., and then you leave at 6, and you're like, oh, where'd the time go? Now, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to say that. That was the whole movie. For the, that wasn't my whole experience with the Barbie movie. Like I said, I had really fun watching it, and I that wasn't, it wasn't the whole time throughout the film where I was checking my watch. I only checked my watch during the one scene. But overall, a super... I, I, the movie felt like a fever dream. It was... It was there, just the amount of color, the amount of like tone shifts, scene shifts, uh, the whole... The whole the, the I'm Just Ken song switching into a dance battle... I mean, there's just so much to love about the film. I, I, I won't lie there. I, I really did enjoy a whole lot of the aspects of the film. Um, and I do think, I think it was a good movie to come out when it did. Now, it, it doing the same same release as, as Oppenheimer, creating the Barbenheimer double feature of the year. I, <laughs> I mean, I know that was just the studio kind of giving Christopher Nolan the middle finger for leaving them. But... I loved it. I thought I thought it would played out really well, and I mean the marketing between the two movies were completely polar opposites. Barbie with the soundtrack and the Barbie house Airbnb you could rent, and I like I said the Barbie Barbie marketing team went crazy, and then you just said the Oppenheimer marketing team who would just post one picture of Killian Murphy like every other month, and people would be like, "Oh, dude, crazy! Oh, it's gonna be so good!" It was. It was just so funny, the difference between uh, the marketing for both those films. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that's all I got to say about the Barbie film. I, I did really, I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was a fun film. I thought it had, I, I thought it had a lot of good message. I, I loved the, the one of the, the big messages in the film were with, with the mother and daughter. I, I loved that relationship that they kind of explored. And by the end, you, you know, they kind of concluded that journey. Um, so there were, there were a lot of things that I did like, um, but yeah, it, like I said, I'll give it the 7.1. If I, if I ever happen to run into watching it, whether it's on cable or maybe I'm, my sister's watching it, whatever it might be, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. I, I enjoyed it enough to do that, obviously, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on Barbie. That's, that's my Barbie thoughts. Um, now we're going to talk about Oppenheimer. I, I honestly, I probably not. I'm not even going to talk about Oppenheimer as long as I talked about Barbie just because I don't have a lot to say about Oppenheimer. Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about Project Man Mr. Manhattan. I didn't know a whole lot about Oppenheimer or the creation of the atomic bomb. I didn't know a whole lot about Los Alamos over in New Mexico. I, I really had no histor historic knowledge of the events of this film. So going into it, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I thought I thought it was done flawlessly. I, I saw the film three times in theaters. Whenever it does come out on DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, I'm going to buy it. But again, similar to the Barbie movie, this film had an incredible cast. Killian Murphy, obviously, huge, huge star in this film. This was his first uh, kind of main role in a Christopher Nolan film. He's been in, I think, eight or nine other Christopher Nolan films as side characters, but this was his first time to really, really show off. And he did he did in phenomenal. Um, but Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Josh Peck. Oh, my boy Josh Peck from Drake and Josh. I love to see, I loved seeing him in that film. Um, 
Rami Malek, like you just had crazy, crazy famous people in that film left to right. Um, which is funny because so did Barbie. It's like both those films brought in the biggest A-game actors because everyone just wanted to be in those films. I thought it was incredible. Um, but yeah, cast incredible for Oppenheimer. Uh, the, the, the story itself, the pacing of the, of the film, it's a three-hour film. I, I mean, I know the pacing was good because I never really thought about time or how long the movie was while watching it. I never, I never felt like things or scenes were unnecessary or if there, obviously there's dips in a narrative, but those dips felt necessary in this film. Um, and it's, it's like you conclude one crazy big moment, you know, them, them setting off the test bomb and it's, you say to yourself, okay, what's, that's it, right? That's the end of the middle. Nope. There's, there's, you still have an hour and a half left or an hour left of the film. And you go, how, how is there still an hour of this film left? They just did the test bomb. They're going to, they're do, dropping the bombs. It's that, that's it. Nope. And, and the thing is that last hour is probably one of my favorite, the, the, the scene of the, the whole story of him being interrogated in the little closed off court. I, you feel, you feel terrible for him. You, I obviously, I didn't know any of this, but you feel terrible for him after watching this film, uh, Oppenheimer, but, yeah, just the storytelling. And and I'm also I love a true story film. I've I've seen I just watched two two true two story movies this past month. I watched um The Blind about the Duck Dynasty guy Phil, his journey growing up which I thought was a really really interesting story. And I haven't I didn't even watch Duck Dynasty. I just saw the movie and I I really enjoyed it. And then I also watched Gran Turismo, which was the racing movie. And both of those were excellent. I, I, I don't know what it is with true story films. It's just knowing that it happened on this planet that I live on makes it all that much more kind of either cool or haunting. It's, it's one of those two because, yeah, you go see Gran Turismo and you go, oh, that's super – that's awesome that that actually happened. Or you see – Hacksaw Ridge, and that's kind of a mix of both cool and haunting, where it's where you say to yourself, A, awesome that, oh, I can't remember the the soldier's name. I think it starts with a D, but awesome that he did that, but also holy, like that that is crazy and, and terrifying as well. Same with Oppenheimer. I mean, and, and the thing with Oppenheimer, other, other true story films, they kind of come to the clo their close and you go, okay, I mean, that that is wrapped up, and you can kind of see where things have gone. I mean, Ford v. Ferrari, you had uh, them creating a, a GT that could compete against Ferraris. And obviously now, yeah, in racing, in the racing world, that's still something going on. And you go, okay, yeah, it's still going on. But with Oppenheimer, after seeing that movie conclude, that issue that is still going on, the nuclear issue, is much more terrifying and kind of being held over everyone's heads. Uh, just walking out of that movie it's 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 chilling almost because it is still a huge issue and watching the film you realize that Oppenheimer knew that was going to be an issue and he tried to prevent it and uh yeah it's just it's so so just weird kind of seeing how it came to be but 
yeah, I, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I thought I thought it was a, a very, very incredible movie. And, and in comparison, to, I, I am having difficulties ranking it amongst the other Christopher Nolan films because take something like Interstellar. I love Interstellar. But it's also a completely different movie from Oppenheimer. I take a movie like Inception, love Inception, also different movie from Inception is different from Interstellar and Oppenheimer. I take a movie like The Dark Knight, a superhero film that he did. Also incredible. Memento. I, I mean, Christopher Nolan. I mean, there's a reason why all these actors wanted to be in his films because he is, as of right now, one of the best directors that we got. Um, so it very and and he he has gotten really good at telling a story with different narratives in time. I, I think Tenet was his most experimental uh, approach with people traveling forward and backwards in time. I still don't, under, don't understand that movie. He did. He, he does like messing with time in his films. Inception, you're going into the dream worlds with Interstellar that, you know, he's on a planet that a jet like, messes up with time you know an hour there's seven years or something and memento he tells the story backwards I, I mean there's there's a lot of cool ways that christopher nolan has integrated time into his movies and oppenheimer is no different he, he did a really good job with oppenheimer and in, in showing not only oppenheimer's perspective but the perspective of other people and and using the black and white as an alternative, an alternative perspective, I really did enjoy. And the fact that he had to create, because he shot the film in IMAX, and black and white IMAX film had not existed before this film. So the fact that he had to go out of his way and create black and white IMAX film for Oppenheimer, I thought, I thought that was incredible. It's kind of like the, you know, just thinking about Barbie and Oppenheimer both both had to do something crazy incredible to get their films done. Christopher Nolan had to create black and white IMAX film. And then Barbie had to buy every single gallon of pink paint in the world. <laughs> I remember there, there were articles saying that there was a pink paint shortage because of how much pink was used in the Barbie film. I think that's amazing. That's, that's, a, that's like a Guinness world record thing there. But yeah, end of the day, I, I enjoyed both films. Um... I, I really did enjoy both films. I thought they both had, they you know, I enjoyed them for both for for different reasons. But I do I do recommend anyone who's listening who hasn't seen either of those films to watch them both. And if you've seen one and not the other, watch the other one. I, I think they're both worth at least one watch. And and who knows, you might go into you might go into Oppenheimer and that might be your seven point one, and you might go into Barbie and that might be your eight point eight. It it. Like I said, it definitely does depend on the viewer, um, which is another reason why I love cinema because it's always it's a it's a different pair of eyes. Ev everyone everyone takes it in differently, which I think is incredible. But anyway, I I hope you guys enjoyed me finally getting to talk about my Barbenheimer opinions, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week, Connor and I. We're going to we're going to be back at it. I do have some really some really heartbreaking news for Connor. Uh so you're going to want to tune in next week. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you all have a great week.
Goodbye. All right, we're doing a quick little testeroo before I test <coughs> it up. Um, so yeah, we're seeing how I sound uh, before we before we uh, get into it. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll check this out.